This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, students, and entire cities in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. Now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. My name is Seth, Jim Sidekick and producer here on America's Most Positive Podcast. And, you know, we've had some fantastic guests it on the show. It is positive. It is positive. Extreme positivity. It is. I mean, if you're negative, you can't even get on the show. It's not <laughs> impossible. You have to leave. Which I, I, I mean, I guess we should do the, the negativity check with our guests here. You're... You're feeling very not negative over well, there? Well, we, we, we have a special guest in the, in the studio, Ryan Lidge, New York Yankees, a catcher in their uh, system and uh, a graduate of Notre Dame. We have to say that. It's like a written thing. You have to say that he's a graduate of Notre Dame uh, <laughs> with a, as a Domer alumni. <laughs> and, uh, but you're more than a baseball player. That uh, I am. You have a film degree which is uh, pretty awesome. So Ryan's going to be with us uh, the whole day. We're going to talk a little bit about baseball. We'll talk about career. We'll talk about uh, uh, his future. And uh, I got a lot on my mind, Seth. You do? Yeah, I'm nuts. Uh, first of all, you're going to be a father. <laughs> Hopefully not during the episode. Yeah. Oh, that would yeah. be great. Seth, that would Seth be great. Is, Seth's wife is due at any second. Yeah. Hold on one second. We're boiling water actually in the back room. <laughs> this is great. Even though she's an hour and a half away. Studio delivery. Studio delivery. We can t- take boiling uh-huh. water with us on the road. Uh, so, Seth, uh, how are you? Are you in the zone? I mean, this is pre-dad yeah. uh, interview. I know Ryan's here. Uh, Ryan, you have no children, is that correct? No children, not yet. Thank goodness uh, and, uh, <laughs> that you have no kids. But uh, So, Seth, what's up? You, you know, I mean, I think you put it best, and this ties in really well to being prepared as much as you can being prepared and then uh, and then adjusting from there. So, you know, we, we are those typical first-time parents that have been to the hospital twice being like, I think this is it. And then the doctor's like, nope, go home. Get some dinner. Go home. So, to bed. so you have a, a bag packed. Bag packed. It's yeah. in the car. Yes. You have a car seat. Yes. Professionally installed. Professionally I, installed. I heard. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like something I would not like to do. Is put together a car seat. Uh, you have a stroller. Yes. Uh, baby room. Yes. Boy or girl. Girl. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. her name is Ava River. Come on, All Ava. Right. Get All get right. to earth, Ava. <laughs> yeah. You, I'd like you to like buy like a fifty pound dumbbell and uh lift it before she's born 
And then after she's born, lift it again and see if dad strength's a real thing. <laughs> see if that actually is a thing. Because oh yeah, you're gonna go into Spidey uh, mode here. You're gonna have superhuman intuition with no sleep. <laughs> it's awesome. It's it's great. When when my daughter was born, first daughter was born, the first thing I did after the birth, I went to the bar. I, I'm not kidding. I called my friends. I said. I need a drink. I don't even drink, but I, I need a drink. And, and it was one of those, I'm ready, but I'm not ready. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a microcosm of a lot of life, right? There, there's so much you can prepare for, and then you just got to be ready to be not ready. You know, you, you drive to the hospital 100 miles an hour to get your wife to the hospital. The, it, she's broken water. You drive 100 miles an hour. And then when you come home, you drive 8 miles an hour, 10 and 2. You drive back uh, because, uh, you know, your kid's on board. Yeah. So it, it's it's so much fun. I mean, yeah. you, you're definitely have been in the zone for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, being ready for something that you will never be ready for. Yeah. You know, speaking of the driving thing, I did think of after the fact i'm not condoning speeding but i realized that once my wife was seven months pregnant and uh you know at that point seven months nine months don't look that different when a woman's pregnant i'm like i i could probably speed anywhere couldn't i and if i got pulled over just hospital <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh, man exactly she's gotta go makes noise she's gotta go well it's an exciting time and congratulations in advance and uh our our prayers and thoughts are going out to mom and make sure the kid's Ooh. healthy and uh uh, that you don't pass out during the birth, Seth. <laughs> it's always the big, strong-looking guys that pass out. <laughs> I wake up in the emergency room, and they're like, oh, the, "The nurse just couldn't catch you. You were six foot six. Yeah, you were too much to hold up. Yeah, exactly. But your kid's fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this, this show's about preparing, and um, how do you prepare for something like that? How do you prepare for a major league baseball career? Uh, how do you prepare for just a single performance? How do we prepare for our show? And um, the bottom line is right before the show goes on, you want to be in a present tense, purposeful, calm state where intuition can take over, guide you uh, so that you can make some swift adjustments if you need to make them. And, um, uh, pressure moments uh, are different than non-pressure moments. And uh, so, Ryan, th this will go to you. You know, it's unusual to be in professional baseball and have a four-year college degree uh, from a major university, Notre Dame, which you do. And uh, you're drafted 20, 20th round. Uh, didn't get major bonus cash uh, up front. Uh but you had a dream of being a major league catcher. And um, when did that dream begin? Because that dream uh, really launched the preparation for what you've been going through. Yeah. That, when did that happen? It's funny because we talk about visualization um, and it's almost like sometimes people think that you really just started to do it when you started to learn about subconscious and, and all the stuff with the mind. But like when you're a kid, like I guess me specifically, like ever since I was like five, maybe four, maybe even three, like 
everyone talks about, oh, I want to be a police officer when I was little. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be this. I always wanted to be a major league baseball player. I didn't know what position. I didn't know what. But I always said, I want to be Chicago Cub, a Houston Astro, a New York Yankee. Um, so I guess I've been visualizing that ever since I started playing. Um, I just fell, I guess I just fell in love with the game so early and I said, I want to do this forever. All right, for at least for as long as I can. I don't right. know about forever. Forever. <laughs> but um, there's not many seventy-year-old catchers in baseball. No, there's not. No, there's not. But like, there's a, a shelf life. <laughs> I mean, but being a guy like a, like a Tommy Lasorda who's just been in the game forever, for him forever, um, would just like that would just be a dream come true. Yeah, he's a lifer. I, I actually was blessed. A, a local Italian restaurant uh, had an event and I, I got to have dinner with Tommy Lasorda and he was talking about, you know, Hershiser and, you know, old guys uh, uh, that uh, he played with. But, you know, he's 80, I believe, in his 80s. And um, uh, pretty excited now that the Dodgers... Uh, he's rocking and rolling. He's, he's rocking and rolling right now. So, so Ryan, you're, you're five, six years old. Mom and dad... Uh, Dad watched baseball on TV? Dad, we watched baseball on TV for sure. My older brother, huge, was a, at that point, was a huge Cubs fan. So I guess I looked up to my older brother and, and my sister too. Not that she watched baseball as much, but, um, you know, I kind of wanted to be just like him. So like, I guess I would root for the Cubs. But, um, I mean, it really was my, my mom and my dad that, you know, kind of pushed me towards like, hey, like maybe you can play the game. Um, obviously, my dad, ever since me and my twin brother, Dylan, and yes, I do have a twin, uh, me and my twin brother, Dylan. Um, There's another handsome uh, Lidge. Wow. Yes. I, that's amazing. Maybe not as handsome, but that's for that's for other people to determine. Uh, that's for Dylan <laughs> yeah, to that's determine. For Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, ever I guess ever since we could pick up a bat, we, we our dad had us hidden, which is funny because my dad played uh, professional hockey. Um, so everyone's like, well, your dad played hockey. Why didn't you play hockey? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Probably ice time was too expensive, <laughs> which it is. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think my dad always kind of had a, a soft spot for baseball. So he said, I want my I want my boys to play baseball. My older brother played baseball. My sister played softball. Um, yeah, but how did you wind up being a catcher? A catcher? Okay. I mean, That's that, a great I, story, yeah, actually. Tell me, tell me about that. Because you know, wasn't... when you think about playing baseball as a little kid, it's like... You want to be a pitcher, you're going to play first base, you're going to be shortstop. You don't hear many people say, I'm going to be yeah, a catcher. I wasn't the kid that was born to be a catcher. I had to learn to be a catcher. And mostly I know that because every time I ask, like, hey, mom, dad, when was the first time, like, I really, you really said, like, you know, put put him at catcher, and uh, my mom goes, "Well, you were in right field picking daisies." <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was the coach at the time, and he go and uh, she walks up to him. She goes, "Ryan needs to do something. He can't just be out in the outfield picking daisies. Put him behind catcher. That means he'll be in every play." And my dad was like, "Okay." And I guess uh, you know, uh, the that's rest is why, history. So that's thank why you, mom. <laughs> that's why athletes say hi, mom, yeah. instead of hi, dad. Yeah, so thanks mom to rules. mom for uh, you know putting me behind there for, you know, whether I thank her or not for uh, that the nice position that I've got to play. But, uh, I mean, I, I love it now. It's – I mean, I, I fall more in love with it in, in professional baseball than I thought that I would um, after college because I, I, I really enjoyed it in college. But once I got to pro baseball, there's just such another level that you've got to go to. Um, 
you know, when it comes to like uh, having relationships with your pitchers, because um, I mean, this is their career too. You know, in college, you guys are are, are teammates, but you're also fellow students, fellow right. and now fellow alumni. But uh, in minor league baseball, this is their their job. You know, they're getting paid too. So you, your job is also to make sure that they still have a job. You know, when it's all said and done, and uh, you know, uh, just kind of being that little bit of a managerial type presence also for those guys on the field yeah let, um, let's let's talk about that particular position because it, it's an unusual position uh it's not for everyone uh but if you really think about it let's talk about the new york yankees their payroll of their pitching staff has to be if you add all the contracts together we're talking a half a billion dollar contracts Possibly. And now they have a young catcher, and his responsibility is to manage that half a billion dollar investment in real time during the game. I mean, manage it to slow things down, to pick the pace, uh, to choose uh, what pitch to throw, where to throw it, uh, to guide the infield defensively. A lot of responsibility. Uh, you didn't have those responsibilities at Notre Dame. I, I don't believe you called any of your pitches at Notre Dame. Is that true or not, yeah, not um, true? I mean, college baseball is so different um, in regards to, like, like the catching position. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going from high – because in high school I did call my pitches a little bit. So, like, going straight into – college baseball um you have this thing on your arm that we called the cryptex and and your coach gives you signs from the dugout and boom that's your pitch so um i like i said like i still love playing baseball at notre dame but uh i just sometimes you feel like a robot um behind the plate and you kind of crave for more and i think that's what i got when i got to professional ball uh well but, you um, you you definitely in college and this is i'm not sure it's every college but definitely your program and i know uh, a lot of the teams in the sec that i've i've coach players on you don't have intuition that can take over the game you don't even think about it honestly like i that's what i realized is is playing college it was like all right put 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 the sign down all right here's the pitch throw it back look back in the dugout um i didn't even think oh what should i throw here what would i throw here i mean maybe like now and then in a big situation i'd be like okay this is probably a good pitch here this is this is maybe what I would throw, but that's just kind of like a, a second nature kind of baseball now, mind now, thought. Now, you're no longer Notre Dame, so you can freely speak. Did the coach ever send in a, uh, a call? And you're like, oh, no, this is not going to work. Oh, this yeah. is not a great call. I think, Mike, you're, I under, think my, you're under oath. You do know that. I think he would know that I'm completely lying if I, if I said I – I never disagreed with a call. I mean, that's just baseball, though. Like, sure. you know, you're anyone watching baseball say, oh, that was the wrong pitch. That was the right pitch. This is what you should have thrown. This is what should have happened. Um, and that's just that's the beauty of the game is, you know, it, there's so many ways you could have gone about it. But um, at the end of the day, if the outcome's what you wanted, then it was probably the right pitch. But, yeah, now, I'd be lying <laughs> if, if, I, if I told my coach, oh, you're right every single time. So Now, this is an unusual profession. Major League Baseball. Uh, how many games did you play at Notre Dame in a season? Fifty. Fifty, and at the end of the year, you you could be exhausted, right? Yeah. And so now, how many games did you play this year? 
I think I played like six, maybe sixty, sixty-five. Um, if I'm if I'm recalling correctly. And and the whole season, even on your day off, I'm at the field. You're I'm still doing do, work. You're I'm still, catching bullpens. Yeah, yeah. So it, I'm, it, I, I got to stay locked in because we really only have two catchers on the roster. So if that guy, so anything happens to him, pinch run, pinch hit, unfortunately, maybe gets hurt or, or gets dinged up. I'm I'm in the game. I mean, it happened this year. I got, we had to play at the plate in the. Uh, um, the other catcher got thrown out of the game in like the fourth inning and I'm sitting in the dugout. I've got my shin guards on. I always have those on just in case. And um, I see him arguing. I turn the guy next to me. I'm like, well, I'm in the game and he gets thrown, <laughs> he gets thrown out. And uh, um, I'm I, all of a sudden I'm thrown in the game. And uh, uh, that was a big time learning experience for me because uh, um, even though I was ready, um, I was still like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't even have the flow of the game down. Like, even though you're on the bench, you're, you're not in the game. So the flow of the game is, is you got to somehow transition to that right away. And especially since our starter was still in, it's not like a guy came in. And that's being prepared. Yeah. Being prepared to adjust. You know, a major league baseball has a 162 game schedule. Then you go into the playoffs, probably uh, another, uh, 20, 30, how many, how many games in spring training? I'm not even sure. Quite a few. I, the catchers are definitely different in that regard. I think catchers maybe is like they play every three games, maybe every other. But, yeah, I mean. But you're still training, there. Spring training is still a full month. It's full month. Uh, that is an abnormal life. That's an abnormal lifestyle. And then on your day off, you're traveling. Mm-hmm. That's that's your day off. Um, did you prepare the best you could for this year. This is your first full Major League Baseball season. First full season. And you had a very good season. Um, if you could go back and prepare, would you prepare the same? Different? Would you have done anything different? Or were you the best prepared you think you could be? I feel like I was very prepared. I think I... There, there's always a couple things I feel like I could have prepared more for. Like, uh, I mean... You know, I got sent around like crazy this year. I mean, I, I played for a total of maybe nine teams this year. Like, and that's a couple teams obviously repeating. But yeah, what's up I got with sent that? Everywhere, <laughs> I was like the the most traveled man. But that's that would be the only thing that I think I would want to prepare for more is is kind of like what how I quickly react to you know our game ends at ten. Um, or if, or if, if it's early, maybe nine nine thirty, and that's only if it's a two hour game. <clears throat> but uh. I mean, all of a sudden, hey, coach, manager wants to talk to you. Coach wants to talk to you. Okay, what's this? Like the first time it happened, I was like, okay, like what's this about? What did I, what did I do wrong? Right. <laughs> and uh, um, all of a sudden, hey, you got to fly out to Trent, Trent, New Jersey at 7 a.m. tomorrow. And I'm like, what? Find out how to how am I going to pack? What clothes do I bring? What do I do? Like, where am I going to live? What's going to go on? I don't know anyone there. Kind of sounds like Seth right now, trying to, you know, <laughs> getting ready to go home. What do I pack? What do I do? But yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I would say that's like the one thing I wasn't prepared for for in terms of of, of this season. I, I don't want you to comment on this because I don't want the New York Yankees to get on your case. So, but I, I will make it a forty three year observation. The communication in minor league baseball, across the board, in my experience, on a one to tens, like a two, they don't tell the players why. Uh, or sometimes last second, and um, 
you know, if you ran a regular company like that, you'd have anarchy. But it is a monopoly, so they can do what they need to do. And, and uh, you have a dream, so that dream, uh, every time there's a setback, uh, you've got to grab a, go back and grab a hold of that dream. How many times did you have to grab that dream again? Definitely uh, a couple times. There were, there were some... Uh where I was at a, a some call downs where I was at a higher level and I and I got called down to a lower one and then like a couple of days later boom and another uh, call down to another even lower level and um, there are definitely times where it's like gosh what am I doing like is this, well, is this and- something that I really want to do and I feel like that's that's maybe a normal thing from from minor league players and again I was I wasn't ready I wasn't really prepared for that but I guess that comes up part of. Uh, you know, the call up and call down and the whole minor league grind that, that everyone talks about. I, I think you, I think every pro athlete knows it's about what have you done for me lately? You know, you can't say, hey, well, last year I hit 340. So, okay, congratulations. This is now. But at this at the same time, like there were times where I was playing very well. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm I'm moving on again. I'm, I'm, well, I'm on I, a flight I rem- or I'm taking a cab or whatever it is. I remember you hit a couple of home runs in a short amount of time, and then you got relegated down, which had nothing <laughs> to do with your performance. No, and, and, they, and they did make that known. Hey, this has nothing to do with what you've been doing. This is just it's uh, this is normal. This well, is uh, it, all it, part it, of it. Let's let's put cards on the table. It's about money. Mm-hmm. They pay a huge bonus to a first rounder. You're better than him, and you're proving you're better than him. Your statistics are better than this guy. Uh, but they've already made that investment, and they want to return on that investment. So they're going to continue to give him opportunities, and you can get lost in the shuffle. Uh, is that fair? I, I would say no, uh, but it's about money. It's about business, and uh, I definitely get that. Um, what a fun year and and you grew as a receiver catcher uh i think you shocked the yankees how good that you could call a game lead a team lead the pitching staff um and one of the things i'm so proud of you uh, you started to learn Spanish, which is pretty amazing i know you're honing that. i should know more i should know more i mean i had a total of what seven eight years <laughs> three in middle school four in high school one in college uh but some some things just get thrown out of your brain i guess when you don't think they're important but now it's like okay maybe well, i should have maybe i should have known better but well I, I you did learn some spanish you were communicating it, with, i definitely have with a step, la, la, latin ball players. i have a step up, uh, above a lot of uh english speakers when it comes to that just because of my uh prior education in the in the language but I definitely want to become fluent in that. Um, you know, we've talked about that. So your dream is obviously be a starting catcher, Major League Baseball, long career, make the All-Stars, and, and just max out your talent. But from very beginning, uh, I know I've said this to you, you're so much more than a baseball player. And I think in preparation, it's easy to put all of our happy eggs into one thing. And that typically is our career. And um, you're putting a lot of happy eggs in one basket. And I I think you have to do that uh, in this competitive sport of baseball, professional baseball. It kind of stifles your 
um, social life quite a bit. A little bit. Just uh, a little bit. <laughs> uh, so there are some sacrifices if you have lofty dreams uh, and abnormal dreams. So you have to think in an abnormal way. But tell me about Notre Dame where you received a degree in film. Tell me about that degree What's that dream about? And how long have you had that dream to be a filmmaker, to be a screenwriter, to be, you know, to have a TV show? Uh, there are a lot of opportunities yeah. right now. So um, what, what, you're, you're more than a baseball player. Tell me the other side of you. Well, I'll say my, my love for movies really started <clears throat> to, to come to the front of my mind when I was like a junior in high school. It was like me and my, my buddies would... We just got like so into like watching movies. Like they would come over, we'd go over to their house or something. We just watched like a movies every night, specifically movies with like a twist ending, and we we love those. Um, but uh, I, I I love movies, and I didn't really realize it though. I didn't really it, I wasn't really thinking about oh wow like this is something that maybe I'd like to do. It was just like a like, hobby, like behind the camera yeah. or writing yeah. a script. Yeah, and and I go to college and I go to Notre Dame and it's a phenomenal business school one of the best in the country but maybe one of the best in the world and uh, I'm like okay that's that's what I gotta do I gotta do that because that's where I'm going to school everyone else is doing it and I get there and it's just one of the most it's one of the most challenging things I ever had to do and, and I found myself not enjoying it and I kind of grinded through that a little bit my freshman year and I remember going to my counselor and just being like is there anything there's gotta be something else out there for me because this just isn't it this just isn't it for me. Um, and so I started talking with got older guys, seniors, juniors, like, hey, what's your major? How did you find out? What is this? And I remember talking to uh, two, two guys specifically, and, and, and they said they were uh, film and TV majors. And I was like, hmm, that sounds cool. I'm going to, I'm going to take a class on that. And, uh, I take it and I'm like, wow, this is pretty interesting. I actually like enjoy this, which really wasn't very common for me in, in, in school. Um, besides, you know, now and then maybe history is, is fun to learn or science or whatever. But, uh, once I found out that this is something that I want to do, film is something that is really, really interesting to me and, and something that I'm, I am passionate about. I mean, School was so like became fun, which is which I never believed could be right. <laughs> until that happened. Right. Um, but I mean, once I became once I got a senior and all my classes were on in those uh, in that kind of realm of film and TV and 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 Hollywood and all that stuff. I guess not necessarily Hollywood, but just you know actors and, and learning about that stuff and and directors and I mean my grade shot up because I actually enjoyed what I did. And uh, you got I mean, in the zone I during class. This, yes, yeah. I, I, I paid attention. You know? Right. Uh, I actually this is I actually wanted to learn. I actually wanted to uh, pursue this. And um, um, I guess the kind of long story short is just something that I didn't realize that I loved at the time, but. The more I got to learn about myself through college and the more I actually became aware of, of what I enjoyed doing and in my thoughts, it was like, wow, like this is something that now I want to pursue. Do you look at movies uh, differently now than when you did uh, Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, we were, me and my brother, we're watching Lord of the Rings last night and, and that there are movies where I just immerse myself in, in, the, uh, in the world and I don't think of it critically, you know. There are some times where, um, you know, I'll be like, oh, look at that shot, look at this shot look at that cinematography or, or look how good, look at this, whatever. Um, but I mean, there are still movies where I'm, I just, I'm going to sit back, relax and just kind of just have a no thoughts and just 
get myself in the world. Now, Ryan, you're obviously you've proven that you belong in in the world you're in. You know, you got into uh, you were able to do film school, legit school. You're in professional baseball. Most positive podcast on the planet. However, did you encounter some negativity along the way uh, when you, you kind of had these dual career ambitions? Because I, you know, I happened to be valedictorian in my high school class. And when I said basically I was going to move to Chicago and go into media, everybody's like, well, can't you just be an accountant and do something <laughs> right. nice and safe <laughs> right. and get yourself a nice little career? I, I was in accounting my freshman year. I begged the guy, let me out of I this. Never even, I never even <laughs> got Please. close to accounting. Oh, my gosh. Debit. <laughs> Credit, FIFO, LIFO. I did what? My economics was enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at some point, though, you do have to deal with negativity. Like Jim said, if you if you're going to have an unusual life, you got to do unusual things, and you probably are also going to deal with some, uh, you know, some comments from people who are well intentioned. But don't, as Jim has said so many times, but don't know you. The whole you don't know me thing. Yeah. Um. I guess starting with film, like. There are definitely people who are like, why are you doing that? You know, why don't you just do something exactly like you said that is safe and and just, you know, even if you're not very good at it or you don't like it, just grind through it through college so you can actually make some money. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And guess what? I'm also going to make money doing this, maybe more than you. Um, And that's my mindset. Uh, And if they don't like it, then... Well, the landscape today... uh there's a clean slate for someone that's creative uh, and so many distribution outlets, so many platforms uh, with Hulu and Netflix and uh, all the streaming. It's pretty amazing. If you're good and you're in touch with uh, what the public wants and you understand the appetite, um, you really have something special that you can do. Uh, so you have career A, you have career B, and I know you're working on both simultaneously because there is some downtime in, in Major League Baseball. Yep. There, there's some downtime. It's five years from now. You're a starting catcher, Major League Baseball. What else are you doing? I'm working on my uh, my show, my uh baseball TV show, um, whatever network, whatever streaming service, but I'm, but you know, I'm not fully in charge of it. Someone else is, but I'm overseeing it a little bit. I'm making sure that, you know, it's going the right way and they're in touch with me now. So do you envision uh, your own production company? I don't know about production company, but definitely whether it's writer or um, I guess director would be more post baseball career. But whether it's just like a, a writer when I'm in my off season and uh, um, maybe like a, a little bit of a producer, but I don't know. I don't know about production company just yet. I, I haven't really. I'm envisioning Lidge Productions, you know? Legit Productions. Legit. There oh, there you go. Now, now the creativity is coming aboard. I like that. And that's something you can do um, on the road, traveling. Uh, you see something. Uh, how about with the camera? Uh, as a film major, uh, do you do little videos or what on your phone? Yeah, so I, it's fun. It's funny you say that because literally, um, 
my, my, my friend has been texting me today about, uh, you know, starting to do some stuff because he's like, I know you like to do it. He's actually um, helped in a film. I, I uh, could play the young uncle. You could. <laughs> you could. You, you actually, you'll have to go through some auditions. You know, we'd have to oh take a look. Oh, my gosh. I got an audition. <laughs> Seth, what's up with that? Uh, I thought I'd been auditioning for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to do some fun um, small things, you know, just to kind of get my dip my feet in the in the water and, and see like okay like what can I do what can I mess around with and uh, uh, where can I really go with this um, and I do have obviously bigger ideas but I think for for me like just to keep things nice and simple is just with with my buddies and uh, and, and my friends and and you know if other people come along that's cool too but um, this off season definitely just dive in those waters you know and Jim I think this actually ties back to the whole concept of if you can get out of the chaos, like how much fits in your life? Because a lot of people think, Oh, you know what Ryan's doing? Well, that guy must just be really lucky. He was just born somehow with a brain that can switch from baseball to film when he gets on the bus and he can jot a note, a notepad and come back to that and get a, you know, and get a show going off of it. When really it is, you're going to have a lot more mental space when you know where you're going, when you have a plan and when it's written down. Yeah. Ryan has a, a blueprint and, um, uh, we've actually mapped it out. Uh, literally mapped it out on, on paper, uh, online, uh, every facet. I mean, you're a brother, you're a son, um, you have a social life. Uh, eventually, I'm certain you'll have a significant other. Uh, you're a baseball player. Uh, you're a filmmaker, whatever aspects you're going to have. You got your own personal finance. That, that's just your money. Um, and then you have your own wellness. So now the season's over. You've assessed it. You've evaluated. And now we're in the uh, off season where the Yankees really, and, and every team, they don't give you a script in the off season. All right, here's what I want you to do in October and November and December. And it's just like uh, there's maybe a short little exit uh, uh, interview. See you later. Good luck. Um, so what are you doing to prepare for 2019 baseball season? Tell me about that. I obviously, you need to get a little bit of rest. I mean, you're a catcher. Your body's been through quite a bit. Yeah, well, I guess in terms of, like, uh, physical aspect, like, I'm just going to get stronger. Um, you you can tell. I really realize in spring training, you can tell the difference between the guys who are on the big league club and the guys who are not. I mean, they're just bigger than everyone else. It's 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 really a little too obvious. So, um that is probably one of my biggest bigger as in more muscularly defined yes, yes. not not bigger like yeah. i'm just gonna eat whatever i want um right. obviously nutrition's huge um you know keeping my body in the right my body's a temple you know i gotta treat it the right way um put the right things in it so obviously that'll be huge but just getting in the weight room and and doing the right exercises um i have two amazing brothers who you know are more than willing to help me with that i mean i work out with my my twin brother almost every day and my older brother who is actually uh with the uh philadelphia philly system he's a strength coach he knows all those stuff that helps yeah a little bit that helps <laughs> a lot uh so i mean i've i've been obviously really blessed to have so many great 
people in my life and, and it, blood related people, you know, uh, family to uh, really help me in this off season to get that goal. But um, I guess other than that, it's just mentally getting ready for this off season. And then about halfway, maybe halfway through start maybe flipping the gear a little bit, but a lot of visualization, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, now you, you, you visualize, we all visualize every day, but proactive visualization uh, is where you're breaking your the game down, your position down, the hitting down, where you're actually visualizing the tasks, the situations. I know you do some symbolic imagery. Um, and the aftermath, which is holding on to your dream. Uh, yes, 2019 is coming up for all of us. But what are we doing in five years, 10 years, 20 years? How do you want to retire? Uh, most of us don't think about that. How do I want to end my life? Uh, you know, how, how do I want to be? Where do I want to be? And there's no rules to being successful. You don't have to have a bag full of money and cars and yachts and homes everywhere. But um, as you're preparing for 2019, um, are you holding on to that dream? How often do you think about that? Starting catcher, Major League Baseball, regular career, uh, all-star possibly, possibly Hall of Fame. There's no rules. You're 23 years old. I know soon to be uh, 24, uh, but you're still a young man. Tell me about the dream. Well, every day I wake up and every day before I go to bed, I, it's in my mind uh, whether I – actually say I want it to be in my mind it just it's there um, so that that vision that dream wakes you up in the morning yes tucks you, it's, tucks you it's in my motivation for everything that I do you know I, I open up my pantry and there's a whole bag of Cheetos or mm, there's some carrots and maybe <laughs> a little bit of ranch to help out and some celery and broccoli and I go what should I eat and it's the dream that says do the right one because I, I just down the road. I just checked help. your fingers; they're not orange. That, <laughs> they're and, not. They're and not. if they are, it's from the carrots. I have some now and then. Okay, it's okay. You know, I, I understand it's okay to have some now and then. Sure. You know, mental health is is obviously. You know, I'm not just going to eat something that I hate. Not that I hate vegetables. I'm getting used to them, but I mean, working out and getting my sleep and decisions on the weekend. You know, like um, it. If, if I make the other decisions, if I make bad decisions, it's going to be bad decisions towards that dream. And so um, a lot of people talk about your dream wakes you up, your dream puts you to bed, your dream motivates you. And that's really true. Like, that's really where you are. True. And, and, and so there's a target date for 2019. And I'll, I'll give a ballpark date. It's probably mid-February, February 14th, Valentine's Day, February 15th. That's typically when... Uh, Major League Baseballs are reporting for spring training, some a little earlier. Um, it's, a, it's a situation for you where a person that has a guaranteed contract is not trying to peak at spring training. They're just trying to get into the mode. You're in a different situation where you need to almost peak at spring training to showcase your skills uh, so that you can be advanced uh, to the level you deserve. Um, and then you're going to have to peak again a few times throughout the year. Uh, you know, most pro athletes will get into this peak situation four to six times 
in a year. And of course, when things aren't going well, you don't want to go the opposite of peaking, which we call the downs. Um, how did you manage that this year? And do you see what you did? Can you replicate it or even make it better next year? That means peaking at the right time and place, knowing when you're low energy, replenishing that energy. And what techniques have you used to, to do that? Yeah, I think going through a spring training for a second time is, is going to be huge for me. Um, not ever knowing what really happened in spring training going to it this past year was definitely a challenge um early mornings i mean what i woke up maybe five five thirty every single day um no weekends you got really not much time off and, and you're out there grinding in the hot tampa weather um in like one of the hardest parts of the day um and granted you do get done around two or three and so you got the rest of the day off which is which is really nice but i mean that that's mostly spent sleeping and recovering uh from the day but um i'm i'm feeling very prepared for this next spring training and now that i understand how a full season works that i'm going to be tired that i'm gonna need those days where i need to understand i am tired and i need to be very conscious about it and um that it's gonna be i think it's really really important that that i learned that um so so let's run you through the zone cafe right now so self-discipline goals we've been talking about it dreams preparation concentration that's being locked into the moment as you know optimism that's your confidence uh, your belief expectancy relaxation that's just being calm and cool and knowing when to chill and then enjoyment that's where you can ramp up with a little passion a little energy a little enthusiasm. If you assessed your entire year, which area could you bolster for next year? If you could only pick one of those five, what would you choose? I would choose enjoyment. Um, And I think maybe if you ask this question every year, I think I would choose enjoyment because – at the end of my playing career, I want to look back and say I had the most fun. I enjoyed myself so much more than everyone else. Um, that was my career is I enjoyed playing baseball. And not that I didn't enjoy the year, but there are definitely times, especially um, kind of like we were talking about, where I got called up, called called down. I had no idea when the next one was coming, and it seemed like sometimes they would come in bunches. Sometimes it would be a month or two before I, I uh, got that call. And I think sometimes it might have been in my head a little bit too much. And so I didn't find myself enjoying the game and maybe enjoying the process as much as, as maybe I would have liked. And so I think this next year, I'm just going to understand that it's all part of it. It, the, the, the minor league process that you're going to get called up, you're going to get called down. It's going to happen and, and just letting it happen and, and, not worrying about it so much and just enjoy my time with my teammates. Seth Seth talked about uh, negativity and obviously you're on a positive show. You got teammates. You know, there's 25 guys on a roster. Uh, You're one. Uh, There's 24 other guys. Um, There's going to be some negative guys. Did that surprise you that here you are in professional (laughs) sports and and – Wow. Why is everybody 
bitching, moaning, complaining, negative, and what's up with that? Well, you warned me. You I did. warned me. I you did. warned me before I even <laughs> I was close to getting drafted. I couldn't even get drafted when I was like a freshman. You warned me that that this was going to be the case, and. Uh, you know, it actually surprised – it did definitely surprise me about some of the things that some guys did. And I was just like – I would be sitting in bed. I'd hear some, maybe someone talking on the phone or something. And I'd just be like, what the heck are you doing? Um, and that wasn't always the case. There, there are guys who su- surprised me in terms of how strong they were mentally. Um, and – in my mind, I'm I'm picking them out, and I'm saying this guy's going to stay in the game of baseball for a long time. And this guy, you know, maybe I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. The attitude um, was really the key. How yeah. many how many guys that have the talent don't make it? You saw yeah. guys in the minor league system you're like, oh my goodness, this guy's awesome, but he's terrible. Why is he terrible? And would you say mindset? Would mindset be- is is huge. I mean. Baseball is is known as, and this might be negative, but it's known as the game of failure. I mean, Hall of Famers get a base hit three times out of ten. I mean, that's that's where the three hundred average comes from. Yeah, that's successful. You're you're failing seventy percent of the time. Imagine if you did that in any other job, you'd be fired. <laughs> you'd be fired. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when you have those challenging days, when you have those just hard you're even hitting the ball hard at someone or or you're if i'm catching and, and maybe you know it's just so hot out or or whatever um if you find yourself complaining after the game and and, and living in the past con- consistently and 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 making excuses for yourself and saying well this this and this then you're just going to have a hard time getting back on that positive track and being consistent can we talk about coaches real quick? Because, you know, not a lot of people are going to get to where you got this year, right? Uh, very few people will, will jump from little league to high school to college to the professional level. But we're all going to have a boss at some point that's that's quite challenging for us to work with. And you had a lot of bosses this year. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if, I, I'm not even sure how to count up the total number of coaches who probably said something about how you were playing positive or uh, negative. You, right? you had over a dozen uh coaches managers yeah nine teams throwing the hitting coach throwing the pitching coach which uh catchers have to interact with as well you may have had more than 12 you may have had up to 20 so so you're safe speaking on this i, I would say that uh, you know it's not like you're naming somebody in particular but you know what you need to do and you may have a coach or a hitting coach at that time that uh you know jim has talked about uh different coaches in pro sports you can sometimes recognize them because they tend to throw things on television uh, that really take their players out of the zone. And, you know, that is a threat when you're getting bounced around. You don't know who you're going to be playing for. Tell me about how you came through that, how you stayed positive and how you kept your performance up regardless. Well, I will tell I will say this, that the Yankees have incredible uh, people in the, in the organization. I, it was very rare, and I'm and I'm trying to think of a time where maybe the, someone said something negative to me, um, just because the managers I played for, the hitting coaches I played for, the pitching coaches, catching coaches—they're all just like really awesome people, and really, hey, well, really fantastic good. coaches. That's, which I and that, I know, and I've and I've heard around um, the Yankee system for guys who have played in other organizations that that is not the case. That is very rare, right. um, but. 
if there is a time where, where a coach says something that I'm like, this is not positive reinforcement, this is very negative reinforcement, then I just make sure that I'm cognizant that, okay, what he said is what he said, and I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to visualize that. I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to try to figure out where he's coming from and turn it into a, into a positive thing instead of, you know, maybe replaying that phrase or whatever happened consistently in my mind. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that I play that positive visualization, positive phrase in my mind so that it doesn't affect. I, I think uh, having a boss in anything um that gives you zero feedback. They're almost emotionless. Uh, you know what they want, um, but you don't get feedback on how you're doing. I, I know a lot of people need that constant pat on the back, that encouragement. Did you have coaches that didn't say much? Absolutely. I mean, sometimes you'd be like, okay, what's this guy thinking? Like, does he like the way I'm playing? Does he not? And, um, it's definitely a challenge when you get those coaches that don't say much um, because you want that. As a minor league baseball player, you're like, I don't want to be here, even if I'm in double A or triple A. I, I want to be as high as I possibly can go. And sometimes when you're not getting that feedback, it, you get frustrated and you're just like you're kind of left alone and you're left in the in the dark. And it's really, really frustrating. But um, I, I think a lot of our listeners – may have those same feelings in in sales or management or whatever company you're with and uh, really the the my recommendation is you got to manage you you can't rely on someone to come in and tell you exactly what to do always give you a pat on the back and the reason may be that the manager has challenges he might be on the hot seat or your boss may be on the bubble of uh, losing his job or the boss may have challenges in their own personal life that, that unfortunately they brought to work, they brought it to the field and you don't have a clue. So he's in a really bad negative mood. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with baseball. It has everything to do with uh, he's going through a divorce uh, or the loss of a child or, or a, a kid not doing well in school. There's a myriad a bunch of reasons why your boss isn't always just kumbaya, Ryan, you're the best, you can do it. And and I think we need to be prepared for that, prepared for the unexpected, prepared for um, not getting positive feedback. So, Jim, can it really be fall without getting to some kind of event, football, playoff baseball you know theater something is Con- really fall? concerts fall is here uh there's so many things to do uh in, in every city for that matter uh but there's definitely college football nfl nba coming up but also there's so many great concerts uh Vivid Seats is one of our sponsors, and they, they're an online event ticket marketplace. They're dedicated to providing fans, us, with live entertainment. Experiences definitely last a lifetime. So with Vivid Seats, uh, you can watch your favorite team, artists perform in person. That's how you get in the zone. Uh, these artists are in the zone. These teams are in the zone. Hop a ride on these zone performances. And Vivid Seats, they'll, they'll help you find your seat 
to any of your favorite live events. And uh, great prices, easy purchasing experience, and with our podcast, use the promo code INFLUENCE, I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E, INFLUENCE. Listeners can receive 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. So go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, V-I-V-I-D-S-E-A-T-S, download the Vivid Seats app, enter promo code INFLUENCE, I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E, make it all caps, INFLUENCE, and you'll receive 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. And remember, all Vivid Seats confirmed orders, it's backed by 100% guarantee. So get in the game, get Vivid Seats. Congratulations, Ryan, because you've had a very successful first full year. You've got an amazing, bright future. I'm also fired up because uh, five years from now, I'm going to be seeing, as I'm watching credits on a TV show, I know I'm going to be seeing your name there that uh, created by... Uh, you, uh, your your company. Uh, I want you to stay with us, though, because I, I want to turn to um, who's in the zone. Because what a what a zone week we've had. Now yeah. we're recording this on on uh, Tuesday. Uh, the show will debut on Thursday. Uh, so there are a few things that may happen that we'll miss. But uh, how about Mitch Trubisky? Uh, Risky Trubisky, he he's, <laughs> was called, but goodness gracious, uh, he's got to change his now uh, his name now to Mitch Trubersky because uh, he he's all of a sudden the, the face of the Bears. Um, six touchdowns. I can't not say something about this because I am the biggest Bears fan. Like any Chicago sport, yeah. I love I love you know the Cubs and White Sox like I was a Cubs fan growing up and and the Bulls lately not so much Blackhawks always been a hockey fan but the Bears are the Bears and I literally love them so like watching Trubisky do that I was like he is absolutely locked in someone found a way to say something to him to get him in the zone and um, that I mean well what what the media has said is that they cut his and he admitted that. They cut his plays substantially, and this is where less is more comes in. The less he has to think, he shed himself of thoughts, and you could tell uh, that he was efficient, definitely disciplined in the moment, and his energy was on the other side of the line of scrimmage where it needs to be as a quarterback, uh, and he was picking up uh, defensive shifts, making audibles. It he was made really some phenomenal throws. He made some phenomenal throws. Well, can we talk about uh, the reboot tool and getting back in the zone here? Because, uh, you know, Jim and I were texting uh, the first Bears game. And by the way, <laughs> you know, as I'm doing the show prep, I'm thinking about leading this. I'm like, am I going to get accused of bias here? Because they're, they're the local team. But what he did, I mean, six touchdowns is phenomenal uh but you know the first game the bears uh, played five the, five different receivers no i know less. That, that is unbelievable yeah the first game of the season uh you and i were texting and uh my wife and i went out to dinner because we didn't know she was going to go to labor we're like well, we can go out to dinner right now maybe we should and i watched the first half of the bears game against the packers and uh then they came back and aaron Rodgers just pulled off a miracle and uh the bears wound up getting <laughs> beat by one point 
I'm guessing that whatever happened in the locker room during that game didn't happen in the locker room for the Bears during this game because Trubisky came back out and the team was still tight. Uh, so how can being up or being down there pull you in or out of the zone? Because you're obviously in the zone going into halftime, but then you're mentally interrupted, right? Well, I, you know, the Bears for many years were the near the bottom in uh, productivity in the third quarter. And I blame coaches for that, and I blame players for not really being prepared to get into a zone state in that first minute, two minutes of the third quarter. So it is obvious uh, after uh, the collapse uh, against uh, Green Bay, and you know, thank you Aaron Rodgers for that, who is definitely a zone performer, I think they were prepared in the second half. And uh, really didn't miss a beat. I thought he was going to get eight touchdowns and set the all-time record. And uh, probably could have. They may have uh, been a little more conservative with him, uh, uh, tried to run the ball, run the clock down. And I I get that. But uh, Mitch Trubisky, you're in the zone, brother. You're in the zone. Congratulations. I only have one thing to say to Mitch. You're only as great as the game after greatness. <laughs> so uh, the next game, just go hit your high daily standard and keep making that standard uh, as high as possible. I'd love that standard to be six touchdowns. Uh, it's, it's six <laughs> touchdowns would be out. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. Now, that that's uh, uh, coming from the lineage of a major league pitcher uh, who I, I definitely had met his father before. But Mahomes does not look like a rookie. This guy is calm. He is cool. He has presence. He has total command of the other 10 guys on offense. He is the leader of that team. He's, he's uh, playing like he's 35. He's playing Brady-like, Rodgers-like. And... Um, uh, I wonder what uh, Elway was thinking as he was watching from the skybox. Um, I'd like to know what he thought when I don't know if you saw, but last night when he uh, he was rolling out to his left and he switched his throwing hand, he and, threw the ball left-handed. Well, that's oh my god, hearkening uh, Brett Favre. That's who, some zone 2.0 stuff right there. <laughs> that is zone 2.0, no question, and. Uh, I think since 2004, uh, the vaunted uh, uh, Von Miller-led Bronco defense had not given up a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and uh, Mahomes uh, flips the script on him, comes back, scores a touchdown, stay undefeated, leading the AFC West 27-23 and uh, Denver was shocked. One of my clients is a absolute crazy Broncos fan. When I talked to him last night, he, he couldn't talk. He'd lost his voice of course, <laughs> yelling at the screen. And I kept talking about Mahomes and he didn't want any part of it. Uh, so uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, um, you're definitely a zone performer. Disciplined, focused, confident, and you are cool. 
Left-handed? What's up with that? Uh, for a righty. Uh, on the run, I might add, with somebody uh, uh, having him half-tackled. Um, then we switch back to baseball. Yeah, so we've got two things going on uh, that happened on Monday that are, that are going to play out this week. Uh, the Brewers beat the, the Cubs, and then the uh, Rockies uh, actually wound up losing to the, the Los Angeles Dodgers to set up the playoffs here. Uh, very high-profile day games where I'm guessing that uh, the, in those cities, the well, rate for, of calling in sick was higher than usual. This is the first time in uh, Major League Baseball history that uh, it goes down to the 163rd game to determine and uh, who's going to win the conference. Uh, Four teams are in that mix. Uh, The Dodgers, uh, big payroll, a lot of stars, uh, been winning quite a bit, but they haven't won the big one. They still got that uh, albatross around their neck. Where's that World Series uh, trophy? Where's that parade? I I do have to ask. How is Christian Yelich not as one of your zone performers? Uh, well, he is. <laughs> he, he is. He, 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 he should have been the first one brought up. <laughs> I mean, come on. That, guy, that, that kid is unbelievable. Christian Yelich, um, man, talk about in the zone. And he had three hits in that win. Uh, in the zone for... The year? Uh, almost the entire year, the second half especially. He's hitting what, like... 350, Barry Bonds numbers. Silky, smooth, slugger, um, great mentality, uh, always in a positive mindset, uh, just missed the triple crown, uh, which hadn't happened in decades. Uh, but again, uh, when the money's on the table, he collected three hits. And um, Miguel Cabrera won the triple crown a couple of Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm I'm here to make sure that you get the facts right. (laughs) I I appreciate that, and I'm always needing fact checks. I like that. So so can we kind of go into the locker room here on, you know, because this is almost like two individual one-game playoffs in a row for a couple of these teams uh, for the baseball playoffs, right? So what can go right and wrong when you know that, as you said last week, I believe, you know, that uh, some of these guys could be on a dock fishing by the end of the week? What goes right and wrong before these games? Well, this is a moment of truth. It's, it typically comes down to pitching at, at this time of the year. Uh, it's not always the superstars that make the big hit. So that's another cool thing about uh, about baseball. But if you look at the Brewers, uh, who were five games out not that long ago, win eight games in a row, and then you look at the Cubs going, what's up with that? They've led – you know, almost wire to wire. I think they did uh, lead the league uh, pretty much wire to wire, lead the conference. Um, and then on your home field, uh, to get pasted like that, uh, that's that's deflating. You you could see the game. You could feel it that everybody at Wrigley's like, you got to be kidding me. I, I, it's hard to believe. Oh, you can feel it in the suburbs. You can feel it. On, <laughs> you can feel it in the suburbs. So you know, Milwaukee's in, and uh, the Cubs. You know, they wake up today. They've got to play the Rockies. Uh, Ryan, you and I had this discussion. I'm predicting the Rockies, and um, mainly because they lost on the road to the Dodgers. They immediately packed up, and they were already prepared in case they lost. They were prepared, I'm sure, with champagne in case they won. 
uh, Champagne left their locker room in a heartbeat and uh, probably got into Chicago 2 o'clock this morning, 3 o'clock, kind of rainy, stormy, you know, nasty trip uh, across country. And uh, I'm not sure they're awake as we speak right now. They're probably still sleeping. Well, you do have your Rocky Purple on, which uh, I think was an intuitive pick. You had no uh, idea. I Look, when you I, grabbed that shirt this morning, you had no idea that you were going for the It Rockies. was intuitive, but I will tell you, I'm, I'm rooting for the Cubs. I'm a, I'm a hometowner and... Uh, <laughs> But I, I, I see how the Rockies could come in here. And um, I think the Cubs pitching, we'll see how Lester does. He's a big gamer. He's a money baller. Uh, if the money's on the pay- table, he picks up the money. Uh, but this is a Rockies team that, man, they can hit. <laughs> they got some guys that can hit some home runs. As we saw in the ninth inning, back-to-back home runs. Instead of 5-0 win for the Dodgers, it was 5-2. We'll see. One game. One game, I'm fishing. One game, I'm drinking champagne. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Now, we're actually going to switch over, and you're going to say you're talking about this already. I think there's a lesson to be learned on this who's in the zone. Uh, It is October. The pumpkin spice latte is available, and the first NBA preseason game has been played. Uh, LeBron, you know, suits up as a, a Los Angeles Laker. They don't wind up winning. However, you know, they're rolling out a new strategy here as far as how they use LeBron. That he doesn't have the ball in his in his hands so much. So, you know, we've got two questions maybe to answer here, Jim, for who's in the zone. The first one is about peaking. So, what should your attitude be going into preseason or whatever that preseason is in your life? If you want to peak at the right time, you obviously you don't want to be all keyed up October 1st. Well, I, I think uh, the coach is trying to figure out his lineups, his matches, who's going to get minutes. Right now, preseason is about jockeying for minutes. Uh, we, all, we all know that LeBron's going to get uh, the majority of the minutes once the, once the season starts uh, and some of the other stars. But the jury's out on a few guys right now on – on how they're going to be utilized in different matchups against different teams. So, you know, I, I don't put a lot of stock in preseason uh, baseball. I don't put a lot of stock in uh, preseason NBA. Um, it is interesting, though. Uh, LeBron is definitely a Laker. Um, they do have some other veterans. They've got uh, Rajon Rondo, who I've met uh, when he was playing down in Kentucky. He's a veteran. Uh, so uh, he, he's going to make sure these younger guys are in lockstep once the season starts. Obviously, it's going to be tough out west with uh, uh, a lot of teams, not just the Warriors. So uh, it's exciting. It, uh, basketball is here. It seems like uh, we just had the playoffs and uh, uh, the finals. But If uh, you were hanging on to the last couple of moments of summer, they're gone. <laughs> Summer is gone. Uh, there's a Spanx billionaire. I'm not sure what Spanx billionaire means. I, I would say they're not a. <laughs> the product's not our target demographic. It's like slimming wear for women. Uh, so Sarah Blakely is an entrepreneur that grew I, this company. I, I could have Spanx on right now. So <laughs> you, you, that's why my voice they've is gotta, very high. They've got to be comfortable. They have to be comfortable. Uh, if you're a billionaire, it's got to be something, right? Uh, it, well, this uh, this person. Uh, it, is pretty pretty amazing, Sarah Blakely. But she comes out and, and makes a statement that really fits into our show. Negative self-talk, the biggest barrier 
to success. Your negative self-talk is the number one barrier barrier to success, according to Sarah Blakely, billionaire. Uh, and I, I have to say, right on, Sarah. Uh, it really is. Can you imagine a printout of every one of your thoughts, and then you would share it with your coworkers? Some of you might be arrested, so you know you got to be careful what you think. But that positive self-talk or negative self-talk is really going to dictate how well you're going to perform. And uh, she she's uh, also talking about a couple of studies. Uh, you wanna, the, you they're wanna... saying sixty to eighty percent of thoughts are negativity and fear. And you know, obviously, Jim, you've done original well, research hold, on this hold as well. Eighty percent of your daily thoughts. According to a study by the National Science Foundation, uh, this research group, 80% of your thoughts are negative and fear-based. This is the average person. Think about that. 80% of your thoughts. Now, they have uh, research that found the average person has between twelve and 60,000 thoughts. Uh, our research at Jim Fannin Brands uh, is between two and three thousand, but I'll explain the difference uh, in the twelve to sixty thousand thoughts based on this research. They're talking about impressions. So I, I'm thinking, if I'm thinking about the weather, I may have ancillary thoughts that it's cold, it's cloudy, it's a little gray. There's some wind. Yes, those are thoughts, but we count a thought about the weather not the impressions of the weather. And that's how that number, 12,000, even 60,000, that's how that number balloons up. Well, but it, but e- even so, the average person, wow. 80%, 8 out of 10 of your thoughts are fear-based, negative. Well, I know that you know, you've know you kind of Hello. interviewed and it's had new clients. Uh, it's, <laughs> so that's true. It's Halloween season. It is you've fair-based. You've new clients that that's say... A, you know, that's a good point. I'm glad you're on the air. That's a very good point. <laughs> you've had new clients that say, oh, Jim, I don't visualize. Uh, am I correct in saying that negative thoughts are still a lot of visualization going on? Oh, man, that light's going to turn well, red before six, I get there. Well, 60% uh, of all of our thoughts are uh, typically in chaos. This is the average person. I mean, you you know, I have a thought, and then all of a sudden I'm hungry, and I I like to have some graham crackers. I'm like, what? Where'd that come from? Just popped in my mind, and then I'm off to something else, and uh, I see something on TV just briefly, and uh, it's amazing how your thoughts can pinball careen in your brain from one thing to the next. The best in the world don't do it like that, and that's one thing Ryan's done to uh, really showcase his skills and really caused the Yankees to go, holy cow, this guy's not what we thought. They, they literally told you that yeah, this uh, year. That was nice to hear. Um, but gosh, hearing that 80% stat, thinking about myself, like that's definitely not where I was this season at all. Um, and there, there are definitely times where, um, you know, you – you think negatively, but you catch yourself. You catch yourself really quick, and you try to you, and you change it. You change it. You don't try to change it. You just do it. You just make sure you change it. So yeah, that's that's a that stat definitely. I, I think your self awareness is the differential from going to good to great. Uh, being aware when you do make a negative statement, um, 
I have said on stage, well, you know, the food here is so great. I've eaten so much. My rear end's so big. I think I'm being followed. And and everybody laughed. I've never said that. And then as I thought about it, I thought, well, who's that joke on? Is that joke on me? That's a negative statement. You know, I'm trying to get a laugh out of the audience. Uh, but uh, in hindsight, that's not a positive statement that I would make and don't make anymore. But I've caught myself. And, uh, you know, it's like you, you have this garden that's beautiful and you've tilled it and you've watered it, maybe some fertilizer, and the garden is so beautiful. It, and you prune the rose bush and it looks great. And then you come back the next day and you're like, there's three weeds out here and five stones. What, what's up with that? And, and so, you know, you need to constantly be the gardener of your own mind. Uh, so, Sarah, you made a billion dollars. I am assuming through uh, Spanx uh, that you have a very positive self-talk. And, uh, you know, if you're struggling with your own demoralizing inner critic, um, there are some things that you can definitely do. One of them is to reboot, catch yourself, be aware, close your eyes, unhinge your jaw, and just go blank. See a dark blank movie screen in your mind just turn your brain off uh, the second thing that you can do is hop a ride on your dream so conjure up that vision replace that negative thought with something that you want as opposed to what you don't want and and I think the third thing that you can do is swiftly get back in the moment by sending your energy out in front of you to your next step your next move, your next task, whatever you need to do. But you better stay out of the past because that's, uh, that's where negativity resides and it'll anchor itself there and then you use your imagination. Now you're worried, now you're anxious and you're chewing on that little flap inside your mouth that we chew on. We're not sure why, but it's really because you're uncomfortable with what you're thinking. Now, Jim, if you're in a position of leadership and it doesn't matter if it's Little League Baseball or, you know, you're a, a vice president of a company, is this something you'd pull somebody aside and kindly, like when you see somebody that's, you know, under your circle of influence start to go down that road, actually grab them and say, okay, let, let, let's get some tools here because otherwise you're, you're going to go downhill. It's 10 a.m. You're going to go downhill real quick if we well, don't adjust. It's, uh, you know, I... I, I, I will not mention any names here, but I coached one of the top college basketball coaches uh, in the country, uh, Coach of the Year. And um, I'm there behind the bench at one of the games, and there's a minute to go. Crucial. Money's on the table. Score's tied. Great point guard. And I remember the coach screaming with the veins popping out of his neck, relax, relax, relax. <laughs> and I'm thinking, goodness gracious, that's counterproductive. And uh, and I, I did bring it up and said, you know, you, you could have mouthed the words relax. You, you could have gotten, yelled his name, got his attention, and just when he looked over, he could see a picture of calm that yeah. would give him confidence and still yelling, relax, with his veins popped out and uh, uh, his face all red. So, you know, it, the um, 
the moment of truth when that next move you make or don't make that dictates everything that's uh uh, that's when you need to find that calm, and that's when your inner dialogue uh, needs to be right on the money. Well, before we move on to some good news here, because we are America's most positive show, uh, I, I thought we had to have a little bit of fun with within the zone. And, you know, Jim, I know that there's one day a year you cry. I'm 100% sure of it. And that's a Kentucky Derby, because every time. <laughs> <laughs> My old Kentucky home. And you just lose it. Uh, it could be a little bourbon that I drank that day. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Come on, it's the Derby, the greatest two minutes in sports. Are you kidding me? Well, it, you know, it, we're, we're kind of outside of horse racing season here in the United States, but over in Paris, uh, just outside of Paris, about 30 miles outside of Paris, one of the racehorses actually got out and trotted down and somehow walked hold, into hold, the... Hold up. The horse got out. The horse got out. Which, out of the paddock. Yeah. Which, if you're a jockey or a trainer, I think that's kind of one of the first things that it's assumed you're getting paid for is... Don't lose your horse. Yeah, where, where have you seen? Have you seen Big Bob? <laughs> Where's my horse? The horse had to get by someone. So, so this horse, there's not, an insider. In there's an insider. <laughs> Inside job. The horse not only gets out, but trots down to the local bar where people watch the horse races on TV and goes into the bar. Well, it's also a bar that I I, I understand that you can place bets on the races at the neighboring track <laughs> that the that horse what, ran. Is that what that video is? Yeah, the horse yeah. In the, I didn't know that was that's a racing horse. That's a racing it horse, like a wild horse. He, yeah. uh, right, he he left the track, goes into the bar where you could place bets on him. He's like, whatever, what? I'll take fifty dollars on whoever the horse is. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm he was lobbying <laughs> for them to bet on showing him. Showing off a little bit. Show either showing that off. Or I want a beer and a sandwich. You guys go run the hundred hundred yard dash, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick which one of you. I'll gonna bet win. on you. <laughs> And uh, just a little fun there. Uh, of course, there's way more good news than ever makes kind of the, you know, the outlets that you might be tuned into. And some of this stuff's just amazing. Like, Jim, did you ever have your appendix out? Or, Ryan, did, the, did you ever have to do that, fortunately? No, no okay. never, never. Well, it turns out that uh, most of us don't need that, that, you know, it's not a lot of fun to get sliced and diced ever. And it turns out that uh, going forward, up to two-thirds of appendix surgeries can now be just treated with medication and you're not going to have to go through surgery. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. Uh, treated with antibiotics. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's in the back of my mind. I, I read this in the back of my mind and thinking, you know, people have died from ruptured kidneys. Yeah. Where the the bacteria and everything spills into the bloodstream and they die. So what am I supposed to do now? If I have a little appendix attack, uh what do I do? Do I go to the hospital? Do I take antibiotics? Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly from reading this what to do, but it is good news that I may not need surgery. Anything to alleviate surgery is good news to me. Yeah, I had uh, a buddy of mine have to get his uh, appendix removed immediately after baseball game one time. He was in so much pain that I think the doctor said if he threw one pitch at like full effort, he would have it would have burst. See, we could have prevented that. We could have just we given him a pill. Here, take a pill. You're take fine. Take a pill. Go out, throw, throw and your get in the zone. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Get get your butt in the zone. We got some more good news here coming out of Philadelphia. We got a seven year old girl named uh, Najay uh, Graham Henry's. She is a licensed barber. 
she realized some kids in her neighborhood. Wait a minute, how old is she? She's seven. Somehow she got licensed to be a barber. Realized some kids in her neighborhood need haircuts. She's a seven year old licensed barber. <laughs> wow, that's got to be Are weird to walk into to barber school. Do what? You're not supposed to run with. with I was going to say, actually, yeah. yeah, you should not run with scissors. The, What's she doing? The scissors she cuts hair with, she probably can't take to school. That's hilarious. Probably. So she's out giving free haircuts. I need to talk to her. We need to set up a shop, start a business. But she's giving free haircuts to all the kids in Philadelphia uh, as part of her community service. Wow. You're in the zone. Nijay, Graham Henry's. That is impressive. What is she going to be doing when she's 12? And can you imagine what she's going to be doing? Uh, she's going to take out Fidel Sassoon, you know. He'll be long, <laughs> long gone. And finally, good news here. Uh, a runner named uh, Rickonette Steepkamp. Uh, she was a hurdler from South Africa. And I would say I'm one of the only people in the world that can maybe relate to kind of what she went through. I was actually born with an extra rib. I have one too many ribs. I have one more rib than you guys and the rest of the population. Right now. Right you now. Have, you have more ribs than us. They And they never had to take it out. I mean, fortunately, it's it's never really bothered me. So it's just sort of a, an oddity, but it hasn't uh, affected my life. Uh, so... Rick Annette was a hurdler who was having a fantastic career and then went into extreme pain. And it turns out she was born with an extra bone in her ankle that had to be taken out. I mean, it would be very easy to play the victim and the judge right there. Well, I had this amazing running career going and this is not my fault. You know, this isn't my fault. What, you know, I'm the victim here. She decided not to be the victim. Now, she she was on her way to greatness. She was. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, so the, the pain finally pops up and she got down to where she couldn't walk. She said she was for a time very depressed and now she's bringing it back. She's actually running better than before the surgery when she had to have this extra bone taken out of her ankle. And of course, you know, her, her big lofty ambition is not going to probably come for a, uh, you know, a couple more years here because we're not in a, in a summer Olympics year, but she is building towards that, towards being a world champion after completely something she could not control, shutting her down. She had to start from ground from, Wait, from literal ground zero to walking before she could run. You know, we haven't talked to her, but I can only imagine uh, first of all, to realize that your career could be snuffed out immediately and then to visualize her dream. And just like Ryan said, waking up in the morning, going to bed at night. I'm sure that that vision of getting back to the international race uh, uh, top hurdler in the in the world uh, she must have thought about that in an inordinate amount of time. You can't make these type of recoveries and overcome these kind of odds without that inner dialogue that we just talked about. That positive self-talk, I am fast. I am world-class. This, These positive I statements, um, any injury that you have, any illness that you have, any sickness that you might have. And I've done this with a lot of people. Ryan, you and I have done it. Any small injury, you've got to start acting as if I'm well. I'm healed. I'm getting better every second. And uh, uh, so congratulations to her because that's a serious mountain to climb. And I I know she did it with very consistent, very positive uh, self-talk. Kudos to her and... uh, 
continued success. Yeah. And of course, if you put all these things together, be it medical breakthroughs to cut down on surgeries to throwing six touchdowns, those all have something in common to, you know, to making a billion dollars on uh, on women's wear. And you're like, well, those three things are so, so different, but they all have a common mentality and the decision to intentionally take care of that mentality every single day, which is why we always check in with the Zone Cafe. So here we are. We're cooking up a lot of stuff. You're you're in the kitchen now with us, uh, Ryan. We're at the Zone Cafe, and we're cooking up uh, some pretty hot stuff. Uh, I know, Seth, on the griddle, you've got a big, big heaping plate ready of self-discipline. The willingness, the commitment to stay with the task, to reach well-defined goals, perseverance, strategy, tactics, self-discipline. You can order that. And take that with you into your next week. Maybe that's the missing link. I know that when you're disciplined, you'll have a little cortisol running through the bloodstream. And that'll give you that purpose. But maybe, maybe you are disciplined. Maybe you do have a blueprint. Maybe you do have a plan. But you keep losing your focus. And your concentration needs to be better. Uh, so Ryan, we got some concentration back there in the back, whipping that up in the uh, in the fryer. We're going to fry this up. Uh, it might need be might not be the healthiest, but uh, uh, a okay big now and then. Uh, every <laughs> now and then, a few Cheetos every now and then. But if you need concentration, uh, you may need to shed uh, a few things in your mind to narrow your focus. So do you need concentration? If you do, uh, pull up to the drive-up. Uh, we've got a big bag of concentration. But maybe, maybe you do have discipline. Maybe you do have that focus. But maybe you've got this little tiny sliver of doubt that keeps whispering in the back of your mind. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. That doubt that maybe what I have is not good enough. Maybe I have belief, but I don't have that daily expectancy. Or maybe I just don't have that sense of knowing that I can, I will, I am whatever it is I'm chasing. So if you need some optimism, and that's the missing link to be in that zone state, uh, well, we've got a, a giant platter of optimism. But maybe you have those three. But you keep worrying a little bit kind of step back into the past a little too much. And maybe you're a little anxious over what might be. Or maybe you're really anxious about your next performance, which is coming up in two hours or two days or two weeks or two months, whatever it might be. So if you need some relaxation to get that serotonin level at a real comfortable level where you've got a little peace in your mind, your jaw's unhinged, breathing's down to six to eight, if you need relaxation, we've got a cool, cool drink. No plastic straws at the Zone Cafe. <laughs> I just need to throw that in. We don't use plastic. That's important, Ryan. No yeah, plastic sure straws. No plastic. Throw but, all the know, plastic out. Exactly. But, you know, you, maybe you need that cool drink of relaxation. But maybe like Ryan, maybe you wake up and say, you know what? I need the Happy Meal. Where's the Zone Happy Meal? I need some enjoyment, brother. I need some pep. I need some enthusiasm. I need to love what I do, do what I love, 
And I love the challenge. I need to meet it. If, if that's what you need, well, we got a Happy Meal we'll throw in the sack, uh, you know, so you can drive away. So, Seth, you're a dad. You know, I, and you're a dad. It's happening. <laughs> it may be happening right this second. Well, I was going to say, I think I've officially boil made it the, the show. water in the back, please. <laughs> we need to now. boil the water. So, so Seth, what do you what do you want for the next week? You know what? I'm going to go relaxation because I know that as soon as uh, my daughter is born, there's going to be a crazy shot of adrenaline, and I, I probably got to get myself as calm, as cool, as collected as possible uh, before you know, uh, my life changes either Pat, an hour or a week from now. Pat, Pappy Van Winkle, it's good Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> Just a shot from med- <laughs> it's only for medicinal purposes, Seth. It's only medicinal. So, Ryan, uh, you had mentioned enjoyment, but let's just talk about the next week. What, what do you want? Do you need discipline? Do you need folk? What do you need? You know, I think I need some concentration. Um, I need to clean my car out for sure. My dad's been on me about cleaning it out. So uh, clean my car out, um, get a haircut, uh, just a bunch of small things that I got to do that I know I've got to do them, but I need to concentrate on them just a little bit more. You need to focus on it, get it off the uh, get it off the uh, checklist. Check it off. Check yeah. it off. I like that concentration. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking about my next week. I've got a lot of major projects uh, that I'm not going to mention. They're they're still in production, uh, and I'm going to go with. Uh, concentration as well. Uh, uh, right now, I am seeing that I have too many opportunities, and that's a good thing, uh, especially as long as one of the opportunities is to do nothing, uh, which is always on the table with me. I, I don't have to do it, but uh, I need to narrow my focus. Uh, I need to say no. No's the new yes uh, to a couple of things. Uh, it'll be upsetting to a few people when I tell them no. Hopefully, I've already told them no before they listen to the show. Uh, they'll probably <laughs> know who it is. Uh, but the answer is, do you want to go forward? And the answer is, no. I love you. I like the project. And I know that I could help you do it. And it'd be fun. Uh, but no. Uh, I need to uh, narrow my focus. The Zone Cafe is an everyday Experience. It's not just once a week with uh, Jim, Seth, and uh, obviously today with Ryan. You can do a score check at any time before any performance. As a matter of fact, this show's about preparation. Make that part of your preparation. I'm getting ready to have a meeting. Meeting's in 30 minutes. Do I have a plan? And what do I want people to think when they leave the meeting? Well, that becomes my agenda. I need to be present. I need to be in the moment, looking everybody, especially in the first 90 seconds, in the eye long enough to discern eye color. I need to be present. I need to believe and expect that this meeting is going to move the needle for my department or or my company or my career. And I need to expect positive results, not just from the meeting, but from everybody after they've left the meeting. And I need to be cool and relaxed. The one thing I don't want the meeting to do is freak everybody out. And they see my stress level because we got to get something done in short order. I don't want to pass it because stress does run downhill from the leader to everybody else. And um, 
most of us leaders, we need to be cool, especially when the money's on the table. And everyone should enjoy the meeting. Uh, If they're not enjoying it, that's because they're not actively uh, been engaged in the meeting and their opinion doesn't matter. It's not really a meeting. It's just come listen to me direct and tell you what to do. That's not fun. Uh, so I do want the imagination and I would want you as a meeting uh, director, someone that's uh, initiating that meeting. Everybody needs to participate so they can be engaged. And, and of course, your team is only as good as what they think and do when the meeting's over. And if they haven't done everything, then it wasn't a very good meeting. It was a waste of time. So uh, uh, use the score check, and it doesn't take very long. You know, after you, it's just a self-awareness. It's checking your mental attitudinal oil, if you will. Uh, but I would do it before every game, uh, every meeting, every important phone call. I do it every morning. Uh, as I do when I wake up, I, I want to do a score check, and, uh, and but also use the score check uh, as an evaluation tool. How was my score level? How was the meeting overall score level? Because you don't only have a score level. Everybody that you meet, in fact, everybody on this planet has a high or low level of S-C-O-R-E at any given time. That's the attitude. You know, this has been a great show. Ryan, thank you so much. You've got a great career ahead of you. Uh, You're going to be, wow, Triple Crown Spielberg. Wow, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, what, nice. what kind of award would that be to win uh, the Triple Crown and uh, and an Emmy uh, in the same year? That would be the first. That would be the first. There's no rules. No rules, no rules on the Jim Fannin Show. Seth, I'm going to say this from all the listeners. We got our fingers crossed. <laughs> we know everything is going to be fine. We only have one concern. I'm not concerned about your wife. I'm not concerned about your kid. Seth, it's you. We, <laughs> we, we want you to be in the zone. Uh, you're going to be the best dad possible. I am so excited. Your life will never be the same. Yeah, this is and, great. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah, you're preparing to be a dad. You're preparing for a meeting. And I'm just going to prepare my stomach for lunch. So. <laughs> and do Lots the check. Of- and clean your car. And clean my car. Clean your okay. car. And get a haircut, please. Get okay. a haircut. Everybody, uh, thanks for uh, listening to the show. Pass it on to uh, uh, friends, family, anybody that needs a boost, anybody that needs a little shot in the arm of extreme positivity. Go out and be in the zone, everyone, because that's the only place to be. Until next week, later need more help getting to the zone or want to check out some of Jim's books follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Fannin or visit jimfannin.com for more incredible tips to help you become your best most authentic self this has been the Jim Fannin show on Radio Influence this is a crush performance quick fix on Radio Influence so listen everybody I just got back from a very cool trip to New Zealand. My first time down there, I was invited down there to speak at a uh, clinic of coaching. Coaching development uh, was sort of the theme of great coaches of, of all levels of play, right from their national uh, and pro team. They have a new pro team that's going to be playing in the Australian Baseball League there. Uh, and also met with um, some of their Olympic sports, their softball. Softball is huge there. 
Cricket is a big, big sport. Met with one of their top diving instructors and got a chance to also meet with their rugby community. And some, man, just some great, great people there. Something that was very profound to me. It's similar to what we talk about in terms of talent development. Uh, if you've listened to the show before, uh, you've heard us probably talk about how we're mismanaging our talent and the fact that I truly do believe that we're wasting more talent than we develop because we know that at the developmental ages, let's say 13, 14, 15, and 16, when the kids start, you know, getting pretty competent in sport, they understand competition. They have some drive and maybe some passion showing. Not that younger kids don't, but we want to try to keep those younger kids involved in multiple sports and just feed that fire for sure. But in our minds, I think that we gravitate towards the best players and the ones that don't quite show well at that 13, 14, 15 year age mark. Uh, we sort of brush off to the side and let them sort of figure things out for themselves, which could be good or bad. Maybe the jury's still out on that one. But the problem is, the talent that we see at 13, 14, 15, and 16, the standouts there, for the most part, if you look at some of the data, around 60 to 70% of the top players in that age group will not rise to be the best. So where are the best coming from? Well, they're coming from that periphery, that, that periphery that we've ignored in the developmental model. Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.